Boom. All right. Okay. Ready? We're ready. <clears throat> hey, everybody. Welcome back to A Drink with Monty, the podcast. Boom. Tonight, it is the Montys again. Episode three in the house. I got nothing to say to that. <laughs> we hope you guys enjoyed the podcast with Danny. We really in- enjoyed having him here at our kitchen table. Yeah. It was a... Uh, y'all caught like a snippet of the actual conversation. We talked for probably like three and a half hours. Yeah. It was a long time. He didn't really go into like his family or personal life much on the podcast. I would say a solid... 30 or five minutes of the podcast. Was yeah. I mean like his wife and his oh, kids yeah, yeah. and he's a really great dad. He's got a beautiful wife. Um, he's just a cool guy. So we hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Yeah. Um, I know I did. I was talking to the crew, to my crew the, yesterday and telling them, um, when Danny starts telling the story, um, about, the fire that he had recently, well, not recently, but we all know about the fire. Um, and no kidding, man, my, my heart was beating out of my chest, you know, and listening to him tell the story, his demeanor totally changed from when we were talking about nonchalant family stuff and like his upbringing. When he started talking about that, you could totally tell his demeanor changed. Watching him drink his Dasani because we weren't drinking beers, um, his hands were shaking and you could literally just feel the intensity, man. It was, it was awesome to sit down and talk with him about it. Yeah. It was, it was intense. Just, I was here watching the guys talk and manning the computer, but, um, yeah, it was an intense topic and I thought he explained himself eloquently. Mm -hmm. It was good, good to hear his side of the story and not all the skewed bullshit from the media and yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. I hear you. All right. So what are we talking about tonight? Well, first, what are you drinking, John? The typical bush light. God, you guys, I told him for this podcast, it's a drink with Monty. I feel like he should be broadening his horizons on what he's drinking. <laughs> she, she buys all this eloquent beer and delicious beer and I just go for the crappy stuff. Oh, it's awful. It's not as heavy. I don't feel fat. I'm working on my girlish figure. Okay. Well, I'm drinking Corona light. Same thing you had last time, so don't throw stones. No, I had White Claws last time. Oh, that's true. So I'm kind of broadening my horizons. Yeah, you're you're leaving the the mall and going to the trailer park. Corona light? Yeah. No, I'm imagining myself on a beach somewhere away from this house that we've been stuck in for six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so tell us what we're talking about tonight. So um, my man, Matt Mosley sent us a message and said that we need to talk about um, relationships and what the fire service can do to them and not just marriage and, you know, spouses and girlfriends, but what it can do to friendships and family and stuff like that. And I thought about, I thought about a lot, actually, me and Molly have talked about it. And I really think that's a cool topic and not one that is talked about too, too often. I mean, you know, I, I like to talk about the nitty gritty and all that stuff just as much as anybody else. But, um, you know, I think that would be a pretty cool topic. And I'm distracted because Molly's trying to <laughs> secretly move everything and it's pulling all these cords. And Are you good? Got too much sound up in the headphones. 
We were also told that our podcast is a little low, so we're trying to adjust the volumes. This is all trial and error, folks. You're on the roller coaster with us. Yeah, let's talk about this. So we've gotten, I mean, a lot of traction. Is that fair to say with this? Honestly, way more than I thought. Like a lot more than I thought. Yes. Like who's going to want to listen to us talk and talk? But I mean. Yeah, almost 300 views in two days. For the first episode, yeah. yeah. For the intro. I'm hoping that a lot of people can listen to Danny's because it's way cooler than the intro. Yeah. Is it's it? a little more direct to the fire service. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this one, I guess, kind of will be too because we're talking about first responders and relationships that go along with that. Um, but I mean, relationships are relationships, and I hope everyone can, you know, kind of relate to what we'll talk about and you know we'll get other people on here that don't have to do with the fire service but that's kind of what we have right now so that's what we talk about yeah um before we dive into the topic a few things i want to say is let me burp hold on oh my god john you can't say that you could have just pulled away from the mic you didn't have to say what you were doing i'm can't molly i'm being real with the people (laughs) you don't have to be gross though well what I wanted to say was we are going to like be totally vulnerable and not hold anything back. And what's the word I'm looking for? Mm. Like we're, we're going to open up. We're not going to like, we're going to tell you our story like sure. for, for real. You know what I mean? You yeah. Know, like we I mean, I plan on doing that throughout the whole thing. Right. Not just, yeah. But what I'm saying is like with the intro we touched on, you know, we're not a perfect couple and we have had problems yeah. and I think we're going to dive more into that tonight and try and get some facts and statistics. But I don't know if you guys have looked up facts and statistics for firefighters and their relationships. There's not much out there. There's nothing and everything that is out there. They like completely contradict one another. So we tried to do our research for this, but the truth is there's just not a lot there. Yeah. So, so we'll get into it. Yeah. So, Molly and I have been together f- um, for a long time. A long time. And we dated in high school. Yeah. Yeah. So, we knew each other before the fire service. We knew each other in college, and we knew each other out of college. And so actually, like three days after I started recruit school, we broke up. Remember we had the apartment on Barrett Parkway? Yeah. And so I was part-time for like six months and we were not together for like the first year. Yeah. I wasn't even there when you graduated um, rookie school. Yeah. So I think I was full-time when me and Molly got back together, but I mean, really she's been around for my entire career. So to say she doesn't know any better is fair. You know, this is what we know. Yeah, and even further than that, my dad's a fire or was a fireman. Yeah, and I feel, just felt that's totally different, though. No, it is, but that's what I'm saying. You said I don't know any better. Yeah. So I don't like I literally don't know any better. All the marriages I really have, you know, firsthand experiencing, witnessing, or being in, or whatever, have always been fire department relationships. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Um, I tried to think about like how to delicately dive into this and I'll just ask you being the spouse and the wife, 
what are the things that you can't stand about me being a fireman? The things I can't stand? Um, I don't know that I would word any of it Maybe like that, that was honestly. harsh. Yeah. What are some of the negative things that come with being a wife of someone in the fire service? Uh, well, honestly, there's a lot of negative, but there's also a lot of positive too. So I don't want to, I don't want to focus on the negative. Well, no, but we're talking about aspects. We're talking about the, the toll that the fire service can take on a relationship. Sure. Okay. So, so we're we'll, focusing on the negative. Well, yeah. We'll, we'll preface it with like, she's not saying that being a wife to someone in the fire service is all negative. No, I mean, it's, it's great. They, you know, you have great job security, great benefits, you're able to provide for our family. We have, you know, a you know, a million people who consider us family at our fingertips if I were to ever need anything. Um all of the families that I grew up with like that I knew through my dad, like I grew up with them. They were almost like cousins. Um They've, you know, some of the guys my dad worked with, they've all like watched me grow up. So, I mean, it has a million, a million positives. All right. So then I'll pose the question like this. Hypothetically, let's say that I am a new wife to someone in the fire service who they dated for a year. He's been in the fire service for five years. They dated for a year and now they're getting married. What would you forewarn said person about? Um, well, okay. So I read this article today in prep for this podcast and it was, I think it's called, um, firefighterwives.com. I'm apologizing up front. I have no idea who the, the woman is that runs it, but she went into, she wrote an article about, it was like seven things that have a toll on relationships. Um, it was kind of what we were talking about. And she brought up a lot of good points that I, um, I mean, obviously I knew they affected us, but when she was saying them, I was like, yeah. Your exact words to me when you were reading this were, these are all feelings and thoughts that I've had. I just didn't know how to word them. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, you know, when you hear something and like, you're like, yeah, I didn't even know I felt that way, but I do feel that way. It's like an epiphany or whatever. So she went into a lot and um, she summed it up pretty great, actually. Um, one thing is you have to be prepared to take on an entirely new family, which we always talk about as such a positive, and it is. But there are negatives that go along with that. Um, when John comes home from a shift and I haven't seen or talked to him almost in 24 hours. I want him to be here with us. I want to be selfish and have my husband back, you know, for a couple days. But I mean, more times than not, you come home on the phone with another firefighter. Who are those firefighters? Who are the, the three people that I normally come home and I'm on the phone with? You can name them by like name. Oh, I don't know. Why are we doing that? Why not? Why is that important? Uh, Brady's always one. Um, I don't know. There's a lot. Uh, Cameron is one. Um, Kiefer, you've been talking to him a whole lot. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's three. Okay. That's all I was looking for. Anyway, I don't even know what I was saying. 
I don't know. One thing is I have to share you with a lot of people and that can be frustrating a lot of times. I totally get that because with your work, it's it's probably not as bad as mine. But in terms of what? Well, because you have to work. Like you your work, you you know, you work all hours of the day. You yeah. know what I mean? So I totally get where you're coming from. And that is, like, I'm glad that's one of the first things you brought up because that is absolutely something that I would tell a new person coming into the fire services. Something, let me back up. I've realized over the years that... Quit hitting the table. I'm sorry. I've realized over the years that truly leaving work at home or leaving work at work is not possible. Not with this job. Well, honestly, neither of us are good at doing that. I bring home with work home with me too, but it's more than that. It's relationships inside the fire department because half the time y'all aren't even talking about shift. You're just goofing off in your bromance. And <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. When we get like in the car yeah. to go somewhere, you call one of your guys or the second one of them calls you, you answer it right away. Like, if we're in the middle of doing something and someone from work calls me, I like text them like, Hey, I'll call you later. Yeah. So what I was saying is that's definitely something I would tell a new person in the fire services, unless it is something terrible and you're, it's pressing or you know that person has got something they got to talk to you about. They'll be there in an hour. You know what I mean? They're, they're going to be, they're going to be there. And we have this great thing called text messaging where not that that should take the place of a phone call or not that you should neglect your family or not be with your family from te- by texting, but, you know, shoot them a text. Hey, man, with the fam, you okay? And then that's it. Yeah, and on the flip side to that, I've tried to learn how to be more supportive of those relationships you have because it's more than a coworker in the fire department. It's a brother, someone you live with a third of the time, or someone you've gone through hell and back with, it's more than just someone you're working under the same department as. Yeah. yeah. So it's more than that. And I get that. All right. So number one would be I wouldn't say I wouldn't say number one. I'm not saying them in order of priority. No, no. I'm just saying like if you were That's, to give somebody a list, sure, not to quantify them, but just mm-hmm. to give somebody a list of things. Yeah. Um. All right. So, I guess what I would say to that is, you know, and I'm not necessarily saying these as bad things or things I hate about the fire department. Just things to be on the lookout for. Just things to prepare yourself for. Yeah, to be aware of this is going to be a reality for anyone who's in the fire service. And witnessing this will be the case for wives, girlfriends, parents, friends outside of the service. And I'm sure a lot of this applies to other first responders, police, EMS. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure it applies to military. Yeah. Um, But we're obviously speaking from our experience in the fire service. What I would tell the spouse on that subject is tread lightly. 
you know, um, because you, it's easy to get aggravated at that. And I'm not saying that the spouse isn't justified in getting aggravated, but you know, you just don't know what, what went on the night before or the day before, or, um, you know, we run a lot of really, we have our fair share of really bad calls and I'm going to be there for a brother or sister that needs an ear. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously my family, my wife and my kids come first, but if, you know, I can spare five minutes to, to just listen to that person, I've got to do it. So something I would tell the spouse is just tread lightly, you know, don't jump down their throat or, you know, have that, that firefighter or paramedic walk in the house and instantly get an eye roll or whatever, because you just don't know. You are speaking from experience. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you know, but we've back to our problems. That's something that we had to work through, you know, yeah. and I would say you've gotten a lot better about that. I've gotten better, but I mean, it's still an issue. Like if you got your butt kicked on a call and you just needed to vent, I'm not necessarily always the person you need to vent to. So you may need that phone call. And on the flip side, I may have gotten my ass kicked with the kids and I need a relief. I need uh, an adult face to vent to as well. So there's a happy medium and it will always come up. I'm sure. Ultimately, this is just a marriage hack. Just give, give your spouse the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. You know, like that, that, that would be like the top five things I could tell just anybody, not even a first responder, just anybody who's getting married, always try and give your spouse the benefit of the doubt. You love them. You know that they love you. Otherwise you wouldn't be together. So just assume that number one, it's probably not about you. And number two, they're not doing it from a hateful place. No, not at all. Not at all. And communication goes, that's really cliche. The successful relationship has communication, but it can't be further from the truth. Yeah, for real. And like... And it's very easy to lose that. Yeah, and you've gotten better at like coming home and being like, I had a horrible night. You know, and I'm like, okay. And then when you take a call, it's all good. Like, I know you need to talk to someone. Because like, okay, with us, I know... So a lot of first responder relationships, they have a spouse who is also in, like I know a ton of firefighters who date police or nurses, nurses, nurses are the big one. or stuff like that. And they can probably like hash out things together where they understand each other. Um, John and I don't necessarily have that. And he doesn't normally share the gruesome details with me. There's been a couple times that I just like was bursting at the seams and just needed to talk, but I can count those times on one hand. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not him not wanting to share it with me. I'm not very good at receiving those things. Yeah. And there's, there's a line, you know, like this sounds super macho and like cliche, but like you want to protect your family and not that we run all these terrible calls all the time, but they are there. And, you know, the terrible that we see, you want to protect your family from. But like I said, there are just times, and I know Molly is going to listen, and I know that she is, she's going to be all ears when those times come up. But 
you know, I guess that's another thing to kind of fall into is don't, don't be offended if they don't talk to you. You know, if, if you're seeing that they're talking to their crew or their, you know, friends in the fire service about that stuff more than you, before you get pissed or offended or whatever, you know, just remind yourself that it's a lot easier to talk to somebody that's walked in your shoes. And they're like, I know for me, I just don't want my family to ever experience some of the, I'm sorry, (laughs) some of the terrible that I've seen, you know, and I'm not saying I'm this freaking Jake that's seen a thousand bad things, but we see bad things sometimes. And I don't ever want my family to ever see or go through that. Right. You know? Right. So I think that that would be something for a spouse to think about also is don't get, don't, don't feel jaded against the crew or anybody because a lot of it is you can't relate and you're just haven't been there and you, they don't want you to experience that stuff. And how are you supposed to separate work from home when you come home sharing all the gruesome details of work? Like to a certain extent, maybe this needs to be, and I'm, just talking at this point, maybe this needs to be your safe place where you don't have to be reminded out of all of that. And you don't have to live in it here for sure. But it, man, it's such a fine line because I know me and 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 I'll be honest there for a while. I was having a lot of anxiety and depression problems bad. Yeah. And I was terrified to tell anybody, even Molly, you didn't tell me for a long time. For a long time. That was, not good. And I forgot what I was going with that. I'm sure we'll pick back up. Well, we were talking about home is like your safe place and you don't, there's a fine line between telling me everything and telling me nothing. And yeah, I can't remember. I'm sorry. My anyway. bad. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, okay. So, well, okay. Still on the subject. When you were working at sevens, I had a, um, group text with all the spouses at seven B and we would talk about that. And I cannot remember for the life of me, what happened, something happened and we were, the girls were all talking about it, like making sure everyone was okay. It was the the pediatric arrest we ran. Yeah. That's don't go into any more detail about it, but that's what it was. Yeah, no, I don't. Honestly, I don't even know the details really. So we were all just like checking on each other and each other's husbands and everything. And we kind of all, we said it that day, like a lot of us were like, you know, we don't really know details. And I told them, John doesn't really tell me details. He just told me what happened. And I was like, but he know, I know he's talking to the guys about it. So And we all kind of had the understanding, like, they don't have to talk to us, but we're checking in with each other to make sure they're talking to each other. And I think that is a big point. Like, it doesn't have to be you they talk to, but they need to be talking. And you need to make sure they are talking to someone. And I've asked you that a couple of times, like, you kind of blow me off if I ask about something. I'm like, okay, are you talking to someone about it? And you're like, yeah, so-and-so called me. Okay, as long as you're talking to someone, right? Absolutely. And I'll, I'll go to my grave saying that, you know, talking about it is like 80% of the battle. And I'll, and I'll bring up my, my issues 
and you know this was years ago, but when I was going through the anxiety and depression stuff, the second I like opened my mouth, I wasn't better, but damn, I felt like a thousand times better. Yeah. You know, and like I got a little bit of relief. So to get on a mental health kick, if I can offer one piece of advice to a spouse, a fireman, a paramedic, whatever, man, just talk about it. Yeah. Just talk. Get it off your chest. And remember something else I struggled with about that was you're not the only one. Right. And that sounds so stupid also. But that's hard to remember Absolutely. when you're in it. And I felt like, God, man, why is this happening to me? I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to go to a freaking loony bin. I'm going to wind up on meds. And, and Well, and you, a lot of it also was ego. Yeah. And in saying that, it's not that you were full of ego. It's so many people have seen so much worse than me. So who am I yeah, to say absolutely. I'm having issues with what I've seen? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a huge hurdle for you to get over. Like we threw around the term PTSD and you're like, no, PTSD is for like military who were overseas and saw some stuff. And not even that, there's just so many people who've do, been doing this a lot longer had been doing it a lot longer than me. Right. So you were saying like, who am I to say I have PTSD? And also nothing against these doctors and these people that are in that field. You know, they're just so quick to say that because, you know, again, I'm not going to lie. I went to see a psychiatrist. It's like, Oh, you're a fireman. You have PTSD. And that's exactly how it was. I walked in and told her what was going on. Here's some meds. She looked at my chart and was like, Oh, I think you have PTSD. And it, that's exactly what it was. Let me get you this prescription. Let me do this. And it's like, no, that's right. not, that's not what I want. But going there, you realize like, okay, maybe I do have some things that I need to work through. And yeah, the best thing I can relate it to is my best friend, Jonathan Godfrey would say my, my cup was just full, you know? And that's the best way I can describe it is everybody's cup is different. And I think I had just kind of gotten over overfilled. We were, um, you were pretty new. No, I think it was about five years. Cause I remember Ethan came over and he and I were talking in the driveway and he was like, dude, I went through the same thing and it was about the same time. And you know, I talked to Brady a lot about it and we had just bought the you house. You were at eights. Yep. We had just bought the house. No, I was at sevens when it started, but it was about the time that I got moved to eight that I opened up. Yeah, you were really at eights when everything, when you and I started talking about it. Yeah. And, uh, man, he was like, dude, you know, I'm not saying there isn't some sort of stress-induced anxiety and stuff like that, but, you know, you just got a lot. He, he pretty much told me, dude, he said, you're becoming an adult all at one time. We were having a kid. We bought a house. You know, I was about to get promoted. We just got married. Yeah. You know, like just kind of everything slapped me at one time. And on top of all the stuff that I had seen, and I was a pretty bad black cloud when I first got my medic and stuff. Some people might not know what black cloud. Means. I ran a lot of really bad stuff, like really fast, which was great. I got a lot of really good experience, but you know, I didn't realize that it was just adding to my cup every time. You know. Well, and something we talked about during that time and still do, 
how many, I don't know, what's the percentage of Americans that say they have anxiety and depression? Like a huge amount. And those are people who sit behind a computer all day and deal with finances. Like, you know, like if they have depression and anxiety, who's to say you guys aren't going to have anxiety about things? Yeah. But the rebuttal to that, I guess, if there is one, is y'all are, for the most part, doing something you love. And a lot of people have stress and anxiety and depression because they hate the lives they're living. Right. Well, that, that was like, that was something that I struggled with too, was that, like, why? Why? I mean, everything is perfect in my life. Like, I'm marrying my best friend. I just bought a freaking awesome house. I'm with a badass crew at a badass station for a badass department. You know, I'm like thriving. Mm-hmm. Why is this happening? Right. So that was a big one too, but we got off on a tangent. That's okay. What I wanted to say was talk. Doesn't matter. If, preferably your spouse, but just talk yeah. to anybody. At least let your spouse know there's something going on. One of the points in that article I was referencing earlier she was talking about stress and anxiety and PTSD, and she was saying how the adrenaline that you guys have at the station, even when you're not on a call, like after the call, you're still at the station, you're you're still like amped up, and then on your car ride home, it all comes down. And then by the time you get home to us, you're down. Yeah. And, and then we're like, you know, <laughs> Why are you so depressed coming home when you're like jumping, you know, like fine at the station? Yeah, I can't remember who said it and I'm going to botch what they said, but we off of work, we live in fantasy land where we don't see the horrible things and everything is good and you're in your homes with your family. And then for 24 hours or if, you know, you're working some other kind of schedule, whatever, but for us, it's 24 hours. So if you, for 24 hours, you're expected to be, you know, a hundred percent all the time. And the shitty things that we see, it's just supposed to slide off our back and it we run it and it's on to the next one. And then after that 24 hours, we go back to fantasy land and we're just expected to be functioning humans in fantasy land. Right. And I totally botched that. The person that said it said it way better than I did, but yeah. I hope I got the point across. I remember you saying that to me for the first time. And I said, well, I just live in fantasy land then. And I do, and I don't mean that negatively. I do. Like, I don't see what's going on. I don't see, you know, real poverty in my everyday life. Like, I live in this house. I, you know, I don't know. I have a bad day with the kids, and it's, like, the worst day ever. Okay, so we'll go off that. Like, you know, it's tough. It's tough for a firefighter or a paramedic or whatever to come home and here, and not even come home, you know, I wanted to talk a lot about the, the toll it takes on friendships too. And for us, you know. Well, I think all of this can be related and we're speaking from a husband and wife. I think all of this can. Any relationship. I think you anyone can take from this 100%. So what I would say is it is hard for us to come from a 24 hour shift seeing the horrible and, you know, having to tell someone their loved one has passed away or whatever. And then we come home and we hear me bitch about the dishes being in the sink. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's almost kind of like, God, you have no idea. And yeah. and I'll be honest. There are days that I'm like that. 
Um, but you just got to tell yourself, like, you know, you're back in fantasy land. And again, I'm not saying it like it's not. It's a good analogy. Yeah. You're not it, it, diminishing anything. That's, but I don't, I don't want to sound like I am because I'm no, not. No, you're not. You're just, it's, that's reality. Yeah. You're, you're, it's, a, it's a great analogy for how the two worlds. You're, you're back in fantasy land and those issues are real issues. And that is, that is something I would absolutely tell to a new fireman or paramedic is, you know, just because they're not an issue to you doesn't mean they're not an issue to somebody else. And I would say that was a lot of our problem was you would, I would come home and you would be upset that the trash wasn't taken out or the dishes were in the sink. And it's like, God, you have no idea, you know, if you only freaking knew. Right. And that's not fair. You know what I mean? You, you, I, that's not okay. And I would say that's, that's when I talk to people about relationship problems and the issues they're having, you can almost always kind of guide it back to that problem. You know, like, man, it's your home. Those issues aren't an everyday issue for everybody. Mm-hmm. And the dishes in the sink are an issue and you need to take it for real. Sure. Because you have a cup and although your cup isn't overflowing with death and suicide and fires, your cup is filled with seven shitty diapers and the dishes in the sink and chowder puking all over the freaking rug. <laughs> Chowder's our dog. Right. Yes. I wouldn't name a child chowder, <laughs> but, um, you and know, we'd have it looked at if, one of our kids was puking all over the rug. Um, so everybody's cup is different. Everybody has a cup. So that's something I would say for sure. Yeah. And then on the other side, spouses have to give their first responder more credit and the benefit of the doubt, rolling everything back in that, you know, maybe the dishes in the sink was the least of their worries in this last 24 hour period. Great. Moving on. And a lot of these things kind of like overlap, right? So yeah, it all, like you said, it all rolls back. I mean, it, it's, it's all rolling. Yes. I agree with you. They 100%, all overlap. Yeah. So another big topic that was like light bulb for me in this article was communication and communication can be taken in a million different ways. And we've kind of already talked about communication, but in the love languages. Oh, that's a good one, but that's not what I'm talking about. Um, if you haven't read the five love languages, you should in everyday life. I even, relate that back to being a manager at work and like realizing how people need positive reinforcement. And that's a whole nother topic. We could have a whole podcast on that. I love that book. Anyway, she was talking about communication and how it's so hard with y'all's schedule. And again, John works 24 on 48 off. And for those 24 hours, a lot of the times you've been at a crazy busy station, not so much right now, but and I don't even talk to you. Even now, you're not at a huge busy station, but I rarely talk to you throughout the day. So it's some things that normal couples would text about back and forth, like a bill or... Um, AT&T trying to charge us two fifty for Apple Watches. Oh my gosh, the AT&T bill. Holy crap. Or... You know, just little things. I can't think of anything off the bat. Like... What color you want to paint the walls? I don't know. 
But those are little things that maybe two couples on a nine to five would be able to either text about or chit chat about over dinner. And then when you come home, I'm already gone. So then I don't get home until that evening. We have two kids. And then by the time they get to bed, like now it has been 48 hours and I haven't even been able to get to the laundry list of things I need to talk about. So then you and I sit down and have dinner and it's all business. And we haven't even caught up personally. So that was a huge thing. And like, I always have thought before reading this article, like, well, you work 24 on 48 off. And then for your 48 hours, your side job is here. So I have a lot more time with you than I do with, than other people might. However, that's not the case because I work a nine to five at the very least. So we may have one or two full days together. I would say on a seven day week, we have, well, I should say five because we usually get good weekends together. Maybe. I I mean, not if you work on a Saturday. Yeah. But I mean, the the weekend days we were together, like the days that I'm off. Yeah. So we get one, maybe two days days. together. Out of six days, I, I would say we maybe get 20 hours together. Two hours, three hours a night max. Yeah. I mean, just like one-on-one me and you time. Whether it's talking about stuff around the house or... Yeah, and half the time we're putting the kids to bed and both of us have work to catch up on. Yeah. Like, we don't... We work a lot. But that's okay because we both love our jobs and we don't, like, fret over that. But when you're talking in all reality how much time we actually get together to be a couple, it's, like, not a lot. And then in those 15, 20 hours... A lot of that is talking shop and running the house and figuring out the kids and daycare and, you know, everything that goes on in a relationship and stuff. So how much time a week do we really get for us? I think that goes back to giving each other the benefit of the doubt because it, it like that is tough. It's very tough, but you yeah. have got to have a solid relationship and just give each other the benefit of the doubt and know that. You have to be confident in your love for one another. Yeah, but you also have to build a relationship, which is hard to do on five hours a week. Yeah. We were lucky because we had a a really good relationship for a really long time before this. We hashed out a lot of the minor details before. Well, and if everyone doesn't know already i'm extremely analytical if there's an issue it has to be addressed like Mm -hmm, i don't beat around the bush there aren't like i don't play that oh is he mad at me like i go up to john and i say are you mad at me and then we have to hash it out right that second which is a flaw of mine but whatever a lot of people don't do that yeah i've learned that a lot of women don't do that like I'll be chatting with one of my girlfriends. The passive aggressiveness is strong in your female type. Well, I'm sure there are men out there that do the same thing. I'm talking from experience and women. We're not going all sexist, which we have been because we've been referencing men in the fire department and women at home. But again, we're just speaking from experience, everyone. Anyways, I, I will talk to one of my girlfriends and they'll be like, I just don't know what he's thinking. And he's you know, acting weird. And I don't know if he's mad at me. And I'm like, why don't you ask him? Yeah. And I'll say that 
there have been times that you have taken that approach and to no fault of yours, but it almost like pisses me off even more, you know, like when I'm direct, not that you're direct. I mean, obviously I would rather you to be direct, but it's like, I don't know what, I mean, you know, you know, like when you're irritated and somebody asks why you're irritated, it's like, Oh yeah. You know, that's just annoying. And it is like, that's a timing thing. Yeah. So one piece of advice I would give, and I think it kind of falls in line with this, and I actually listened to this on a documentary I was watching about people overseas. And obviously when military men and women are deployed, they don't get to talk to their loved ones as much as they would like. Right. right? But How hard would that be? Something this guy said was, you know, to me, I would much rather have one meaningful full conversation every two days than talk every three or four hours and have nothing to say because that just builds animosity and like tension and question like why are we not talking you know like I would much rather talk to you one time a day talk to you and the kids one time a day and it'd be totally meaningful and us have a lot to talk about and really like just get a good conversation than talk to somebody every couple hours and have nothing to say and just sure. listen to each other, each other breathe. And I see that a lot, a lot, a lot. You yeah, know? like people being on the phone and just like literally just being on the phone. Yeah. And and in my head, you know, like that would make me overanalyze and think, you know, why are we not talking? Why don't we have anything to talk about? Is she mad at me? Is she is she giving me the silent treatment? When in reality, your life just hasn't changed much yeah, in the last and that's, 45 I mean, minutes. And you want to <laughs> say that. Like I listen to this on the phone or I listen to other people on the phone and I want to say like, dude, you're not that cool. Like you don't have that much cool shit going on in your life to where you need to update your loved one every 40 minutes. Like I've been with you for 40 minutes and the coolest thing we've done is switched from animal planet to ESPN. <laughs> like that's the coolest thing we've done. We ate a burrito. Yeah. Not that cool, man. <laughs> so, but I mean, obviously different things work for different people and some people that just works. But me personally, that doesn't work. I would much rather have that one meaningful, long conversation once a day. And in the text message here and there, just a random, I love you or, you know, hope you're having a good day. That's, that's fine. It's not what I'm talking about, but to pick up the phone and call and just be like, (sighs) (laughs) for those of you that couldn't hear that, I'm mouth breathing. Everyone can hear it. Everyone can hear it. Good. All right. (laughs) So that's a piece of advice I would give too, is, you know, save the, save the conversation for that one meaningful, good conversation. Yeah. Well, John, it's already been 45 minutes. I feel like I had so much more to talk about. I know. I feel like we got halfway done. Maybe we'll have to do another one of these. Are we going to sign off now? I mean, we probably need to not make this a three-hour <laughs> podcast. Okay. All right. Do you want me to close or you close? You can close. What do we have coming up? Uh, so we are hopefully going to be having... Um, Blake Stinnett from Next Rung and Open Bail. On, uh, he, again, is, is one of the founders of Next Rung. They are a mental health uh, not-for-profit in the metro Atlanta area. They do a lot of really, really good things. And I say they're in the metro. They're all over the, the U.S. I mean, they have... Yeah, they do a lot. He was saying... No, they have a guy in California, remember? Texas. I mean, they're all over. Yeah, they're all over. Um, Blake specifically is in... Atlanta. In Atlanta, yeah. yeah. 
Um, but Blake was actually uh, kind enough to come and teach his class to our Fools chapter in January, February, in February. Pre-corona. Yeah, yeah. Um, and to say that it was a good class is an understatement. Um, he, he did incredible. Him and Nancy Westling, she would be another great one to have. We will have her. Yeah. Love her. But um, he is going to hopefully bless us with his presence and we can chat with him just about what he's doing and what he's got going on with Next Rung. And then Open Bail is another company that him and a guy from California, maybe. I think it's that same guy from California, isn't it? I could be totally wrong. I but don't know either. Him and another guy we'll started this company. Um, they have a lot of clothing, really cool clothing. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Open Rung. <laughs> open Rung. Next Rung, I'm sorry. And Open Bail. Oh, my God. I totally just jacked that up. You're totally Next Rung up. and Open yeah, open bail. Well, now you're messing with my head. I have totally You guys are just going to have to tune in yeah, for the next one. Yeah, just tune in. Because John has no idea, and neither do I. No, I know. <laughs> I just totally messed myself up. But, guys, we can't thank you enough. The feedback has been phenomenal. Um, Keep it coming. Yes, we love it. We want to hear your thoughts. Subscribe, and I'll let you talk about what the benefit of subscribing does. Is and, that like, can I officially say it? Yeah. Okay, so here's our plan, guys. We started this out. And we were, you know, just thinking it would be funny to trail off of John's live Facebook videos. We got such a great response that um, I think we can start monetizing on YouTube if we get, I think it's 100 subscribers. Say what monetizing is. Making money off YouTube, ad, YouTube ads. Um, we have to meet this threshold. I don't know what it is. We have to have certain amount of subscribers and a certain amount of hours watched per year. So what, what and I think we're gonna be able to do it just based off of our first initial traction. And what we will do with all of that money, every bit of money, because we have no overhead in this, every bit of the money that comes from YouTube when we start monetizing will go straight to the fools. The 575 Fools. The 575 Fools, which John spoke about in our intro podcast. He started a not-for-profit um, for fire department, brotherhood. Community. In is another community, big one. brotherhood. I've enjoyed all of the community in the relationships I've built through it in North Georgia. So please subscribe, please listen, please share with your friends. We're going to try to have some entertaining stuff on here too, but we, this is a great cause. Yeah, for sure. Um, and tell them what y'all do. So you help people. Yeah. Like, it's so, not just, yeah. So obviously the training and the fellowship and the brotherhood is very important to the 575 fools. Um, but community outreach is another really big thing that we do last year. Um, we were able to help a young lady who had, um, some serious health issues around Christmas time. And we were able to assist in decorating her house mm -hmm. with all kinds of inflatables and lights and stuff like that. Um, you sponsored someone going to the North pole. Yeah, We got with, we, we, we paired up with children's healthcare of Atlanta and we sponsored one of their patients at the Aflac cancer center to go to the quote North pole. Um, and, that was we did we did a toy drive for children in the Affleck Cancer Center, so that was really good. And those are the things that we do, and we will continue to do. But unfortunately, doing those things costs money, so we don't just grow it off of trees. Unfortunately, well, we, we do. grow it off YouTube. Yeah, that's that's the plan. <laughs> um, 
Not to say that the money we raise from our membership and things like that isn't enough. This is just going to cushion that. All of the money is going to go to outreach and great things in our community and outside of our community, honestly. If we can grow this, we want to do it on a larger scale. We, I'm, I'm part of it. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have a challenge coin, but I'm part of it. Yeah, no, for sure. (laughs) Um, And we're not just going to, again, we're not just going to have fire department people on here. We are going to do business owners and just military and just anybody that has a cool story. We're definitely going to get on here. Yeah. We're just working in our wheelhouse right now. Yep. So that's that. 50 minutes. I think that's a solid, solid one right there. All right, cool. Love you guys. Love y'all. Thank you very much. And we'll talk soon. Cheers. Cheers. John and I are going to have a beer on the back porch. Shout it. Bye.